Welcome to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Griego-Kyle on behalf of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, I discuss sustainable impact investing, how to create portfolios that match your values, and a variety of other topics such as financial education, environmental sustainability, social justice, and sustainable food systems. Do you want to know if your investments seek the kind of accountability from corporations that you demand? Listen in as I explore the burning question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Grego kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Kim, what's going on? It's uh, a new year. It is. Right? January, time for changes, all of that. So exciting news for mm-hmm. everyone. Like I have now moved to an independent contractor and I'm still, of course, here for the podcast for as long as people want to listen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And but today I want to talk about the birds and the bees. Does that remind you? (laughs) (laughs) Have we talked that I have grandkids? I've had this speech before. Yeah. Does it remind you of that song? I'm not going to sing it (laughs) because birds. Let me tell you about the MC. My voice is all shot. That one. Yeah. I know. Oh, well, I'm glad you're (laughs) feeling better. But, um, you know, this could be a lot of different topics, right? Yeah, <laughs> yes. Actually, we are going to talk about real birds and real bees, probably more bees. Okay. Um, but but that's what we're going to talk about. And I know you've heard the stories and the alarms that have been sounding about the dwindling population of bees. Mm-hmm. So this is, it's a bit of a serious topic. And, you know, I started it out a little lighthearted there, but... Uh, honeybees, right? We have the honeybees, we have the pollinators. They're amazing um, pollinators of all of our plant life. And I don't know if you, I'm sure you did, those gigantic bumblebees that we used to see. Mm-hmm. I hardly see them anymore. Those big, fuzzy, fluffy ones. I'm telling you, it, I love that you're bringing up this subject because it, just within this last year, I learned more and more about super pollinators. Yeah. And I, and I'd always heard, Oh, save the honeybees, save the honeybees. And there's all these great videos and all these great people that are like bee relocators, right? They, they relocate these honeybees and they save all these honeybees and not, I'm not bagging on the honeybees, but they're not the driving force of the pollinators. No, they are not the ones that are the most important to save at this point, quite honestly, as far as when it comes to pollinating across. Right. Right. I did not know that. I had no idea. I was really all about the honeybees until I realized that there's so many other bees that don't produce honey, but they're not jerks like hornets or wasps. Right. Right? (laughs) We're not talking about hornets and wasps. There are a lot of uh, native bees in locations around the world. Yeah. And and they're not producing honey, but they are big pollinators. Birds are pollinators. Uh ladybugs are pollinators. You know, a lot of these uh insects that we don't think about are pollinators, which we could literally talk about the effects of chemicals mm-hmm. on all of those, mm-hmm. but I thought I would focus on bees today. You know, again, cuz it's a lot of information. <laughs> so Let's let's talk about how how bees work. I think most people know this, but most bees, honeybees, right? They live in colonies in their hives. Uh, 
but the native bees are very solitary. They fend for themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, They have this, uh, you know, I I was reading this article. It said that, that native bees, um, the, the life of a lone native bee is very tough. It sounds so dramatic, right? Uh. But it's it's getting worse because our bee habitats are shrinking. Solo bees are affected more than honeybees, but they're certainly being affected. There's fewer flowers. There's fewer nesting places. Mm-hmm. They're losing their homes and they're literally going hungry. So it sounds so awful because it is. You know, I I know you know this, uh, or maybe I, I think you do. You said you've learned a lot about bees. They are the source. Uh, and other pollinators, right? But they're the source of all of humanity's nutrition. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. they're the boss. Period. They are, right. They're pollinating the fruits and nuts and vegetables that we eat. You know, all of those plants that are so important to to our life. Uh, Greenpeace uh, on, their, on their website actually has a ton of information about bees and Uh, I did not know this. So here's a great statistic for you. I know you're going to love this, um, although it's a little bit scary. 70 of the top 100 foods we eat um, as a human are pollinated by bees. Really? Yeah. Um, It doesn't include grains because those are primarily pollinated by the wind. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, But bees, we really have to thank them for almost everything we eat. So that's 70. It is high. And and that 70 of 100 is is the equivalent to 90% of the world's nutrition. Jeez. Right? It's kind of scary. I want to tell you a little story about bees. And and again, as I'm not talking about wasps and yellow jackets, because they're not the same thing. Those are scary. They're jerks. You're right. They're jerks. Yeah, Yeah. they are. Yeah. But, you know, I'm a gardener. I've I've done organic gardening for a very long time. And on the um, property I lived on in, in outside of Santa Fe, I always had a big organic garden. And I noticed a couple of years ago that at the very beginning of the season, it was, you know, when everything started to flower, it was difficult to, uh, there just weren't a lot of bees around. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of things I had to start doing. One, planting early flowers to bloom, to attract the bees around the garden area. And the other thing I had to do, even though I was attracting bees as much as I could, I was hand pollinating a number of my plants. Really? Isn't that crazy? Because there just weren't enough bees. So, you know, for example, squash, I wasn't getting any squash um, production. The The blossoms were just dying because the bees, there weren't enough bees to pollinate mm-hmm. them. So I'd go out there every morning when the blossoms opened, <laughs> Q-tip. And I would hand pollinate. Otherwise, I wouldn't have any uh, uh, certain vegetables. Isn't yeah. that crazy? Yeah. I've never and, done that. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a pretty serious gardener. So, yeah. I, and it was disappointing when they weren't, you know, producing. And that's why. So, again, I, I don't know. I don't know who's actually counting <laughs> bees, but there are statistics. So, the, there are people who are are looking at this. You know, bees are dying. And our scientists are telling us that they're dying from a lot of different factors, primarily pesticides, mm-hmm. right? There's also uh, habitat destruction, the air pollution, climate change, drought, uh, nutrition uh, deficit for them because they don't have food, and so much more. Yeah. Um, 
as many as one in four bee species are Im- imperiled. So, you know, we're really, it's getting to be a quite a crisis. I noticed that there was an uptick in conversations around bees. So that's one of the reasons I thought I would talk about it today. Yeah. But this poison, and I am going to butcher this word because I can never say it right, but the the neonicotinoids, I think that's how you say it. We'll just call it neonics for short, because that's what the articles (laughs) call Mm -hmm. it. But, you know, it poisons the bees by destroying their central nervous system. And it causes neurological damage and paralysis and then death. Sounds like a horrible way to die. Yeah. And we would never allow that to happen to humans, right? Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I want to talk a little bit more about statistics on some bees. And, you know, I, I think people just assume, oh, they probably live for a while, right? They don't. <laughs> Worker bees, these female bees during the summertime, uh, and, uh, you know, they, they live about six weeks. That's it. Really? Right. And there, these colonies of bees are continuously producing new worker bees over the spring and the summer. Mm-hmm. And, and of course their reproduction slows in the winter because they, you know, do the little hibernating thing, but typically a beehive colony uh, every year, typically in, in historically will decline by about five to 10% over a winter time frame. Okay. Um, and then they would replace those lost bees in the spring <clears throat> in a bad year. Uh, a bee colony might lose 15 to 20% of the bees. But what we've seen in recent times is, you know, these losses are commonly being, you know, you know, reaching 30 to 50%. And that's, that's a a good loss. Yeah. There's a, a beekeeper who's David, David Hackenberg. He's been beekeeping for 42 years. And in 2006, he reported a 90% die-off among his 3,000 hives. Jeez. Can you believe that? 90%. The, the U.S. National Agricultural Statistics show honeybees declined from about 6 million hives in 1947 to about 2.4 million hives in t- 2008. So it's a 60% reduction yeah. in honeybee hives. It's it's terrible, and again, it's getting to a critical point here. the The number of these uh, working bee colonies um, really do provide the critical metric of our crop health in in this country and in the world. But in U.S. in the U.S., the United States, among crops that require bee pollination, the number of bee colonies per hectare or acre, as we would normally call it, um, has declined by 90% since 1962. Mm. And they cannot keep pace with the winter die-off rates and all of the habitat loss on their own, right? It's something that we have to get involved with. Um, The chemical industry, let's just talk about that a little bit. In the last four years alone, there, um, this, this chemical industry, and there's a number of companies, which we're not going to, to name, although maybe we should and shame them, but <laughs> we won't. Um, they've spent more than $11 million on a PR campaign, trying to say that this bee die off situation is not their fault. Okay. <laughs> right. 
Um, but there's a, a University of California apiculturist. I love that. I love that name. It's apiculturist. His name is, is um, Moosen, Eric Moosen. And, and there's a number of other biologists as well who have found that the more than 150 different chemical residues um, have shown up in bee pollen. So not only are we killing the bees, but we're passing that chemical on to our bodies when they're creating honey. Jeez. Yeah. It's, <sighs> it's a little intimidating um, when you think about it, but there are global solutions being suggested by many. And, and a lot of this will come down to probably some political will. Um, but according to Greenpeace, there are three things that we can really do and focus on. One is ban the seven most dangerous pesticides. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as we saw with lawsuits in recent years, these pesticides are harming humans too. So it's not just for the bees, it's for us as humanity. Yeah. And then we need to preserve their natural habitats because that helps pollinate our health by, you know, making sure there are habitats. And there's a couple of ways we can do that. Not, not just planting flowers and gardens, but, um, you know, creating those little bug and bee houses, or you can just buy them and put them out in your yard. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course we have to restore the agricultural system. Our ecological agricultural system is a mess. We've talked about that before too. Um, I have some other thoughts on things that we can do, but I want to take a quick look at the, um, the ecological agricultural system. But let, me, let me interject here because yeah, I don't know. I, I don't want to be a pain <laughs> in the butt here, but no, it sounds to me like there's a lot of finger pointing, right? So here, here, yes. here's, here's what I'm thinking. Do you, do you remember, uh, the, the guy that invented the microwave or basically discovered the microwave, if you will, do you remember how that happened? I do not. Okay. So from, from folklore and factual, if you, if you look at it, uh, the, the guy that kind of discovered microwave was, he, he was walking around his, his, the place where he was working, what, what laboratory, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And he had a chocolate bar in his pocket. And <laughs> when he would walk past a certain machine that he was working on, he realized that this chocolate bar melted and oh, that weird. led him to the discovery of microwaves. And I had no idea the creation of a microwave was created uh, originally way back oh. when, when 50s or 60s, whenever it was. <clears throat> so that's great, right? There's a development. Now we have a microwave that cooks food a lot faster, so on and so forth, yada, yada, yada. Let's right. fast forward a bit, right? We make things we have no idea how they affect other things. It, right. You think about that chocolate bar. Ooh, that's kind of neat, nifty. He had, the, he had a s'more in his pocket, basically. Right. Well, that could have also cooked his thigh, right? I mean, if it was strong <laughs> enough, it could have done more. Uh, so let's talk about cell phone towers. Let's talk about Oh um, yeah, that's... these are the things. So that's why I'm saying the finger pointing. Do, do you think it's a situation where the the pesticide industry is like, oh, well, it's not just us. It's mainly not us. You know, it's really just look at all the cell phone towers that are going up, and it's been proven that you know the life cycle of a honeybee is affected by electromagnetic radiation exposure in cell phones hmm. and towers. I, okay, yeah, right. So is it just a bunch of finger pointing, and people don't want to take responsibility? Probably, yeah, because it's an expensive process yeah. Yeah. and companies will literally lose their primary products and you know that's you mean the ones that are killing them us? Yeah. What? you mean the ones that are killing us the, the poison yes. the, yeah yes. oh, okay bummer for them <laughs> right 
Okay, I'm, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> weeping over here, Kim. I, I don't feel bad. No, not no, really. But they, you know, they're they're doing everything they can to survive, right? So mm -hmm. they're trying to to push the responsibility off on someone else. But it's 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 a cause of so many things, and it's not just chemicals. Yeah. Um, but that is a huge part of it. I I mean, when I was reading about how it affects the bees neurological systems. And, yeah. and as I just mentioned, it's a horrible way to die. And, Seriously. you know, it's, and it is scary because we think, oh, we're absorbing those chemicals, not in the same high concentration that bees are because we are so much bigger, but it's still going into our system. Yeah. So I, I hear you. It's, um, it's a, it's frustrating. A yes, it's frustrating. <laughs> so many things I talk about on here are a bit frustrating and, and you know, I always try to come up with some solutions that we can all participate in. That's why I'm here. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I, I so enjoy doing this with you because we can, you know, have a little fun too, but talk yeah. about these serious subjects. Um, I, when I was researching all of this, I really went down so far down <laughs> into some rabbit holes. Mm -hmm. I got lost for a while because there's just so much in, in information and interesting side topics. Um and, and honestly, if I can find an expert to come on the podcast who's really knowledgeable about bees, I will bring them on. Yeah. I'm going to just put that out there. Um, the easiest. So I, I want to go back and talk about um, the the idea of ecological agriculture. Okay. Because I think this is important. It's also known as agroecology. And, and this is a process where we are, and this is all related to bees, but it's a process of how we restore soil health rather than deplete it. Mm -hmm. Sounds simple, right? At, what, are they, what do people do traditionally now? Crop rotation, right? That, yes, but they're also just throwing chemicals on it, which For we cannot do. For what? <laughs> to, to kill off the weeds and oh, um, other insects and things like that so it, they can quote unquote get better crop production mm -hmm. what they're what we're getting is the complete opposite um it's it's true like nature really does know best and they have you know there's always been these historical processes that we are not doing now where you just don't till a field at the end of the season or in the spring. So instead what farmers are doing now to create better soil health is um, planting cover crops. They're not tilling the soil. They're just planting on top of this composted material in the fields. And this is part of what we are calling agroecology. Um, there's an, this is an, it's very important to to plant these cover crops and then let them die back over the winter mm. and compost themselves, which helps prevent soil loss and the nutrients that are in the soil that we need because it's not running off. The dirt isn't running off. Mm -hmm. the, um, you know, it, it, the way we water is important, the, the way we water our fields and um, using irrigation rather than those large sprinkler systems, which causes a lot of runoff irrigation is much better because then it's just sitting in the field and soaking in. Mm -hmm. I found a really great definition or description of what ecological farming is or agroecology. 
Uh, and it's funny, it, of all places, I found it on a um, CBD hemp website, which makes sense because people are using those products. Yep. Um, and, and, uh, you know, putting them into our, our bodies, but this site said, you know, ecological farming really focuses on using the natural resources as well as avoiding irradiating the soil with chemicals. Right. Mm -hmm. So the resources are used to, um, to continue to run these types of farms, uh, they're all sustainable resources. So they're using solar panels or wind turbines instead of fossil fuels. Uh, they are um, using nature to repel potentially dangerous pests and weeds instead of using chemicals. So agroecology is encouraging composting of our systems, uh, the the natural process, and the use of of natural fertilizers. So I don't. I guess I've never really asked you. Are you a gardener? No. Okay. We, we've, we don't, we don't have the space for it right now. And the, the yeah. gardening that is done around here is just mainly flowers, not food. Okay. So yeah. there is, there are many books out there that you can read on companion planting, um, what you should plant with your um, tomatoes to keep mm -hmm. uh, hornworms away, things to help with um, keeping your, your greens healthy, you know, by companion planting, because they'll repel the insects that come and eat those particular plants. So it's a, it's kind of an interesting process and I've been doing it for a long time. Um, I wanna, <laughs> here's something that's interesting. I'm gonna tell you another quick little story. I have a friend uh, now, Janelle, who lives near me. She's one of the people I went to Africa with and she moved into this amazing, beautiful farmhouse uh, out in Amity, Oregon, you know, so it's again, about 15 minutes from me. And when she moved in, she planted a bunch of flowers around the front of her house and they came up and they bloomed and she came home one day and they were all cut down. What? And she, she was like, what the heck happened? And what actually happened was the neighboring farmer who was growing ryegrass. It's a big deal here. Grass growing actual grass uh, in Oregon. And he came and he saw them. He, I guess he was driving by and he saw them and he stopped and cut them all down. And he told her later when they had a conversation that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, somebody's <laughs> going to have a conversation, Kim. Right. Cut down my flowers. <laughs> right. Like who did this and what, but he actually came over and apologized for doing that. He said, but you have to understand that every time those flowers pollinate the, you know, the bees pollinate those and then spread it to their ryegrass, it can destroy the entire crop. Hmm. Crazy. So the, any of the seeds that might blow over there, the cop, the crop becomes worthless if that happens. Really? Yeah. And so she said she can't have flowers and she can respect that. But on the other side of that, they're using so many chemicals that the pond on their property no longer supports um, animal life. That she used to have a lot of frogs and those types of things in the pond, and they're gone. Okay, you, you can't have it both ways. You can't cut down people's right. flowers and kill their pond at the same I time. I know. I know. It's, what's the, it's, 
It's okay. terrible. <laughs> but this is what we're doing, you know. So not My only chest feels killing... tight. I'm not. Know, I'm not happy, Kim. I, know, I don't understand why this is going either. on there. You know, let's. Um... <laughs> uh, I want to talk about um, what happens with these chemical pesticides. And, and just, I don't know. I, I don't want to make your chest any tighter. But, <laughs> I, I'm here to learn. So, I mean, I right. might as well get it from you. Somebody. Right. Who's, Let me just give yeah. it out. Let me just lay it all out on the table. Um, you know, there's a lot of data now on bee poisonings around the world. And there, <laughs> I can't believe this. There's about 385 million cases of acute poisoning for bees on an annual basis annually we're killing 385 million bees uh it's i i shouldn't laugh because um it's not funny but i do like to have a good time with you and you know that the number of these cases has increased so dramatically from 1990 so now as i just said 385 million cases annually in 1990 it was a an estimated 25 million mm. reasonings for, for bees and pollinators, I think. So um, that's a mm. big jump in 30 years. <clears throat> I know you've heard about genetically engineered seeds. Yeah. So in a second, let's get to genetically engineered seeds in a second. Okay. Because do you happen to have the population statistics for the last 25 years out of curiosity? Let's see. So the Study. I mean, human population. Oh, uh, that's no. my concern, right? Yeah, that's what's sticking in my head when as you're speaking is that yeah. we're only producing more people, which right. means we're going to have to produce more crops, which means there's going to be more pesticides introduced into the atmosphere, into the air, into the water, right. into the ground. So that doesn't surprise me that the number of bees being killed has increased as it has, and it just doesn't sound like it's going to slow down it sounds like it's going to speed up because it's not, I mean, we're still growing in population humanity wise. Right. Which okay. is also a problem. So <laughs> this, the study um, does talk a lot about the increase of poisonings um, and what they're calling the global destruction of acute unintentional pesticide poisonings. Uh, so this study you can find on ARC, 2020.eu so it's a european website um, and they have been been tracking this for a while um it 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 just actually i don't know if you really want some gut-wrenching information go look at this um but they talk a lot about pesticide drift which is what i said yeah. you know and and how it gets into our food systems um it it can be a problem in countries that are heavily using chemicals mm -hmm. because other countries will no longer import those products. So it's going to affect us financially as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Genetically modified seeds. I derail this. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's all important. And, you know, and I'm happy to share where I found my information. As you said, we're going to go back and talk about <laughs> genetically uh, engineered seeds. Some of them can be helpful. I'm just going to put that out there. It might be a little controversial. Okay. But in reality, um, the it's, you know, they've been talking about doing this as a way to solve the world's food crisis. Mm -hmm. And 
again, it will require when you're, when they're creating these GE seeds, they're creating seeds that are resistant to pesticides, which then are also resistant to the bees. So it's, it's just this cycle of destruction. You know, the bees aren't getting the right pollen. They're not being fed. Um, you know, the, the, the seeds are being bred so that, um, the pesticides won't harm the plants, but they will, the bees and the other pollinators. It's, it's terrible. Uh, it's, it's not actually the answer to dealing with world hunger because we're just poisoning our bodies. Yeah. Um, the UN agriculture assessment and, and the, I have to tell you, the UN does so much that we don't really realize, um, you know, they say that there's not one genetically modified seed that could in any way solve the world's food crisis. Um, the UN is even promoting the agroecology process and it really does work. And it's probably the way we need to move forward in order to protect, in order to protect ourselves, not just the bees. Um, our current agriculture system is very highly dependent on fossil fuels, tractors, tilling, all of that. Um, they're using and producing these various chemicals on the fields. And some sources are saying, including the UN, that agriculture takes up to 20% of the total fossil fuels in industrialized nations, which is a little interesting to me. I mean, 20% is a lot. So we always assume it's majority cars and it probably is, but um, it, it the fossil fuel process in, in farming is pretty intense. Uh, finally, there's these, you know, big profit corporations, right? That they make and um, sell seeds and they also sell the chemicals. <laughs> So they're like doing it together. There's three companies that control about 50% of the world's proprietary seed market. The problem with that is most of these seeds are created so they don't reproduce and you can't save the seed. Correct. So you have to go back and buy new seed every year and that is expensive. So they have this huge market and they're controlling the market by creating seeds that will not reproduce. We have to focus more on soil bio biodiversity, um, this ecological farming system, sustainability in our farming systems, and uh, looking at organic practices, which are not 100% the solution, but it's incredibly important. So let's talk about solutions. Yes. <laughs> and and what we can do to support a sustainable ecological farming system. And as you just said, you know, basically you've just said this, it's overwhelming to think about the impact that agriculture has on our environment and our bodies. So if you're a farmer or a gardener, you can really explore the ins and outs of sustainable farming and and use agroecology on your farm or your garden, you know, planting cover crops over the winter in your garden beds is a great idea. Hmm. And it's also going to promote those bees and other pollinators to find places to stick around. So you don't have to go out like me and hand pollinate your yeah. zucchini, right? Um, you know, if you don't have a farm or you're not a gardener, it's still in your power 
to help with this process in your consumer habits. So every time you go shopping, you're casting a vote. Mm -hmm. Every time you spend your money, it's a vote. Every dollar spent on products that are grown on sustainable farms is a vote and they will continue to get bigger and produce more because we're supporting it. I know people think that organic produce is, is a lot more expensive and in some places it might be, but the more we're supporting it, the less, the, the cheaper it will eventually get, right? It, you know, it, there's more people eating it, more people producing it. We really, it, I want to just say it's only by knowing and understanding the problems that we can, as, as a society, implement change. That's perfect right there. That statement has been going through my head because yeah. it's, the problem is not having the knowledge and the problem is being lazy in, in a lot right. of cases. And I, I'm, I'm guilty. I'm, I'm raising my hand right now. You can't see it. Yeah. Totally guilty because of the fact that I love seedless watermelons. Oh, I know. Dear Lord. They're, they're amazing, right? Because the seeds are so bothersome, right? Oh, yes, poor, they're poor annoying. me. They're mm -hmm. seeds. Um, but the seedless watermelon is a hybrid, a right. sterile hybrid of, you know, something someone created so that they didn't have seeds in them. Now, I cannot speak to the fact whether or not there's any pollen issues with, with when those watermelons grow. I have no idea. But what I do know is that somebody modified, changed chemically right. the, the watermelon to make it so it's seedless and more convenient for Eric. <laughs> Just, right. for me, by the way. <laughs> Just for you. And me welcome. too. For and, Eric and Kim. <laughs> yeah. But, I love watermelon. <laughs> yes. But it. so so those are the things that I think about is that I never knew that. A seedless watermelon. Oh, wow. Okay. Somebody just discovered this. No, no, no. They didn't. No. They created that. And because, you know, I was ignorant when I was younger. Um, and now I know. And so I do walk around a grocery store and I wonder what of this is sustainably grown? What of this is has been messed with? Who's genetically modified this? And in corn country, that's been a big issue for a long time. You know, I've talked right. about that before. Uh, a, a corporation that will remain nameless um, mm. is a monster. And I'll just yes. say that. And that's all I'll say. Um, they're a monster and they're, they're up to no good in my opinion. Right. So it is a huge issue here, but yeah, I'm, I don't I, want to be ignorant, right? No, we shouldn't be ignorant, but I, I just want to take a little bit of credit for the fact that you walk around grocery stores and think about this now. Mm -hmm. You absolutely <laughs> have tainted me. I and hope so. Ruined me for shopping, Kim, and I love it. <laughs> it's great. I, and, and we, you know, this is so, so important. I want to repeat this sentence that I just said, um, hopefully I'll get it right, but it's only by knowing and understanding the problems mm -hmm. that we as humanity can implement changes. And I just want to emphasize that because as you said, it is true. And, 100%. and as I talk about these difficult things, but I do it because knowledge is power. Yep. Yeah. So we can individually and as groups support organizations that spread this knowledge and help farmers and gardeners change their habits, looking at ecological farming looking at the chemicals that we're using to destroy bees, all of that, um, we can decide to have conversations with others about the problems of modern farming practices. Mm -hmm. It sounds like a weird cocktail party conversation, but <laughs> you know, you can. Um, we need to 
to share the information about why our personal purchasing decisions matter and how sustainable agriculture helps everybody and everything. Or you can just share this podcast. Yes. (laughs) Well, and and, and I'm not, for those of you in the listening audience that don't have children, this is not against you in any way, shape or form. Right. But because I have children and I have grandchildren, this is where my brain goes. As far as a cocktail party conversation, if you're talking with other folks that have children or grandchildren and they want to see them have food right. <laughs> that's not tainted with chemicals and they care about their the next generation, that's a great you conversation can... to have, it's right? True. Because there's something that needs to be done. And again, many hands make light work. Well, guess what? Right. Many eyes opened make a difference when it comes to shopping and personal choice and, and those little things that if we just walk past the seedless little, you know, watermelons that are so fantastic and mm-hmm. grab one that has not been screwed up with, right? Somebody hasn't messed with it and sterilized a watermelon for, for whatever reason. Right. There are choices to be made. And so I, I think it's a great conversation. You have brilliantly and concisely explained it. Well, you taught me. <laughs> I'm taking a credit it, here. Right. I mean, the benefits are really clear here. When we talk about agroecology and yeah. uh, reducing pesticides, it, it will help our future generations. And as a current consumer to really access safe and, and good food for us. Absolutely. So it's, it's, I'm recording this in January. Um, bees, native bees have nested for the winter. They're mm-hmm. hibernating until spring um, when things start to warm up a bit. And I just want to say out loud, what will we do? to make the world a better place once these bees awaken in the spring. Okay. I've got it. You ready? Good. Yes. Here's the thing. And, and I'm, I'm putting it on you because this oh. is your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> this is not me. <laughs> I need you to tell me. So anybody who wants to email in and ask this question, email in, email Kim, she will find this out for you. What are the best, what are the best things we can plant to welcome them back? Mm. that's what I want to know because you yeah. tell me and I'll do that in my front yard. Okay. I'll do I it. I'll tell you, you know that, I right? have so. some suggestions off the top of my head. Oh, please. Yes. I right mean, now. you know, on a practical level, I, I will say, you know, one of the top thing on my list was to plant flowers and fruits and vegetables uh, that will attract pollinators early season flowering plants that encourage the bees to come and feed when they're literally so hungry from mm, hibernating. Up. Yep. Right. Um, you know, plants that, that pollinate early. So off the top of my head, I think about um, sweet peas, the flower and the, the pea pods that we will eat. Those are very attractive to early. Yeah. So sugar snap peas, the sweet flowers. Yeah. Um, And they are such an early, early season flowering vegetable or, you know, plant that I think it's really important to do that. Uh, Depending on, of course, where you live Mm -hmm. and what the environment is like and how early you can plant, there are so many other, and and you really have to focus on the flowering plants that are producing some sort of nectar or food for for the bees. I'll have to come up with a list. Okay, okay. Uh, Yeah, because you caught me off guard. I don't have a list, right? No, this is perfect because here's the thing, is that, 
for so long you've been doing this podcast and you have an audience that has been yeah. built that is around the country. So now I'm throwing down the gauntlet to the listening audience. What Please. do you plan? Yeah. Here's what, yeah. What do you plan? And if, and if you don't know, go to your local garden center and ask them and then please, please, please email in for your area. Say, Hey, this is where I live. You don't have to be specific, but give the state. This is the state I live in. And this is what they said would be great for the bees because then oh, can, that would can come be back. Great. Right. Make then you list. can come back, you make your list and you say, Hey, look, we had some listeners in well, you're in Oregon. I'm in Nebraska. Right. I'll take care of Nebraska. Okay. You take care of Oregon and we'll come back together and see how many of our listeners can say, Hey, I'm in Florida. This is what they said. Or I'm in Maine. This is what they said. Please yeah. help us out here. Let's figure it out and let's do this together. That's the one small step we can all take. What a great idea, Eric. So yes, please do email me. Um, and we'll, we'll give you that information at the end of the podcast on how to contact me. So we can create this list. I think it's a Perfect. great idea. Um, the other thing we can do is put out those little bee and bug houses in your yards and gardens. They can be very unobtrusive. So you don't really see them or you can put them in places where you will see Dress them and they're cute. Yes. yes you can make <laughs> some really cute ones. Little signs on there. Welcome bees. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome home. Right. <laughs> a little teeny <laughs> tiny sign. Um, the other thing is honestly get rid of your grass lawn oh that's a big one <laughs> it is a big one what? and not everybody will be willing to do this but these are uniquely american things to to have Lawns, this yes. big lawn which one it's difficult to care for and every time a uh, dandelion comes up we're out there throwing chemicals on it that are then washing into the street and then washing into our um, water tables. Mm -hmm. uh, hello, you know you've got to quit. We've got to quit doing that. Um, we don't. We should never use pesticides again. Mm -hmm. And that's a big ask. But anywhere, not even on the sidewalk cracks when the grass comes up between it. <laughs> you know, there's other ways to deal with it. Uh, vinegar water for one. Did you know that? I, yes, my wife yeah. is all about the vinegar water. Yeah. Yep. We also need to put out water sources for bees in the warmer months. Mm -hmm. We that think about sense. it for, yeah, we think about it for the birds, but smaller water sources for bees are very helpful because, you know, bees are a little worried about some of the bigger birds and not going to, yeah, they're not going to go to the same watering hole. So we have, but we have to think about it. And finally, we need to educate others about the importance of bees and pollinators and how this may sound brutal in my head, but, but how we will all literally die off because there will be no food mm -hmm. for humans or bees, which sounds so dramatic, but that's what can happen. It's the worst case scenario, right? Yeah. We didn't really get to, to birds much. I mentioned them <laughs> I have to do another podcast on birds. Um, and I, I probably could have so much more to say on why bees are so important. Oh, let me just say this. Did you know that honey from different areas tastes differently? I did know that. Yeah. 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 I got a, a, a bottle of honey in a gift basket of North Dakota items. Hmm. I mean, 
you would be surprised at some of the things that they're actually producing in North Dakota, <laughs> including oh. a very good vodka. But I got oh. this, I know I got a, a bottle of vodka from North Dakota. Anyway, uh, honey, the honey I got in that gift basket from North Dakota was so delicious to me really? that I called them up and said, I can't find this anywhere. I, I Googled it. I was trying to find it. I wanted more. Mm -hmm. And I said, where, where are you getting it? So I can get more. And they sent me three more bottles. <laughs> well, there you go. I still don't know where it came from, but I got three more <laughs> bottles from them. And I I'm literally down to my last less than quarter okay, of a bottle. Slow down there. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> it's uh, anyway. Um, I, I am going to save the bird conversation yeah. for another time. And um, yeah. So what, what other questions do you have, Eric? This is a lot. I, I don't have any other questions. I think you covered a ton. I do want to give yeah. one last fun fact for the nationwide audience. It's, it's a yes. worldwide audience. However, let's, let's just concentrate it on is. the nationwide audience at yeah. this point. In the United States, there are over 4,000 species of native bees, not honeybees of native bees. Yeah. Those are the pollinators. So find out who's close to you and what you can plant for them and then tell us. Please. Yes. I love it. I love that idea. You know, nature is just so amazing and so beautiful and we are all stewards yeah. of the nature around us and the world. So we have to save the bees. hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. What's your email? Okay. Let me just say if they want to contact us they can contact me personally at a new email address which is kim at griego-kyle.com that's g-r-i-e-g-o hyphen k-i-e-l.com so that will come personally and directly to me if Perfect. you have questions yeah also I want to just mention the next episode, which will be, I do believe, episode 84. We are going to feature none other than the amazing Johan Klassen. All right. <laughs> I haven't heard from him in a long time. I know. He's he's going to be on and we're going to discuss the past year. We're going to just dis discuss the markets in 2022 yes. and what affected the markets. We'll talk about inflation. Um, maybe what a recession really is, mm -hmm. uh, and also what he thinks might affect the markets in 2023. So I'm going to ask him a question that I want you all to hear the answer to, but it's a secret. So you're going to have to listen <laughs> to the podcast in order to know what that question is. It's a and good one. And if you want to know who Johan is, there are past episodes that Kim and Johan did together. He's brilliant. Okay. Oh my gosh. You got to yes. understand this guy is fantastic. And he, he is, Kim is fun. Johan's fun too. Don't get me yes. wrong, but this guy is like data driven and he's just, he's, he nerds out on this stuff so much that it's, it's fantastic to listen but to. He, so he also it. makes it feel easily accessible, oh, yes. which I think 100%. is really important. He dumps yeah. it down for me specifically. <laughs> which helps everyone. Which helps everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if you have questions on, uh, stocks that you might have in your portfolio that are producing these chemicals, whether it's, uh, you know, portfolio with someone else or with us, if you want to talk about those, 
please give Johan a call at the office. And that number is 505-982-9661. So you can contact him there and he will discuss in great depth with you if you want, um, you know, different options about how to clean up a portfolio that you have or let you know the portfolio you do have probably with us does not contain any of those companies, which again, we won't, we won't list them out. It just causes problems. So Mm -hmm. there you go. All right, Kim, thank you so much. This has been fantastic. This has been fun. It has. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Topic. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And our last thank you, of course, goes to you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the deep impact investing podcast with Kimberly Grego Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle, the sustainable, responsible, impact investing podcast, reminding you that it's time to invest like you give a damn. If you have questions about this podcast or topics you'd like to hear addressed on an upcoming podcast, please email me at kim at griego-kyle.com. That's G-R-I-E-G-O hyphen K-I-E-L dot com. Or give Horizons a call at 505-982-9661 and be sure to ask for Johan Klassen. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available and to share this podcast with colleagues, friends, and family. The companies I may speak about during the podcast are not recommendations for investment. Only you and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you. Kimberly Griego-Kyle produces this podcast on behalf of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. is a registered investment advisor registered with the SEC. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. and its financial professionals do not render tax or legal advice. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. None of this content may be used or duplicated without the express written agreement of the podcast host.